Hey everybody, this is Nick Padiak. You are listening to I'll Be Damned, my podcast in which I talk with interesting people about their lives, their stories, their work. I uh, want to thank everybody who listened to that first episode of the podcast, my, my talk with Chris Miller. It was a lot of fun talking with him. I've uh, gotten a lot of good feedback on it. I really appreciate all of you listening. And uh, if you missed that one, you can always go back on iTunes, uh, check out the archives, <laughs> the, the one episode of archives, uh, or you can check out my website, uh, nicholaspadiak.com, N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-P-A-D-I-A-K.com, and uh, you can check it out there. This week, uh, it's my talk with Amy Peters. Amy was a colleague of mine at, at my current job. She has since left. She's a graphic designer. And uh, when we worked together, um, I guess I was always intrigued by her her stillness, her, her kind of poise or, or grace or something. We, we work at a pretty intense job. It can get fairly busy and uh, hectic, and she just never seemed to, to get freaked out. She was, she was always just very uh, still and, and poised, like I said. I, th- I think that's the best way to describe her. Uh, and she's also, on, on top of that, she's, just, she's got a hell of a story to tell. Uh, I went to her apartment on the north side of Chicago, and we, we talked there. And I, I really enjoyed it. I hope you do, too. Uh, thanks again to, to Matt Pickett, who wrote and composed the I'll Be Damned theme song, and to Alex Johnson, who made the cover art. Uh, here it is, my talk with Amy Peters. Hope you enjoy it. So how long have you lived here? I moved here, oh gosh, I moved to Chicago uh, 2009, 2011, spring of 2011, I moved in this apartment. Okay. So it's been about five years. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Cleveland. In Cleveland. Yeah. Why did you leave? (laughs) Uh, When I was there, the only thing I ever wanted to do was uh, move to New York City. I don't know why. (laughs) It just struck me as some sort of fanciful place to live and it was going to be like a big big girl in the city sort of career thing. Um, and so, yeah, I uh, just didn't have any interest in ever staying in Cleveland, even though my whole family was there. But I was the first one to leave after generations had strove to stay in Cleveland. I sort of lit out of there after college. You, was your family, are you the black sheep now? <laughs> no, it's all come out well is the short answer. The, the longer answer is my mother was beside herself when no. I when I informed her I was going to move to Boston. She thought it was, I may as well have informed her that I was going to like blast off to the moon. And <laughs> <laughs> But I, I think it worked out after, you know, a few years and yeah, things calmed down. So, okay, when you, you wanted to move to New York, it was, then, it was probably more just the idea of getting away from Cleveland. I think I was ready to spread my wings a little bit. And Cleveland, especially my suburb where we grew up, was pretty uh, pretty white bread and uh, not a lot shaken. So it felt, you know, exci- I, I felt like the sort of excitement to leave and see what else was out there. So, so how do we get from Cleveland to wanting to go to New York to Boston to <laughs> Chicago? Uh, New York was just this sort of like a childlike idea of 
of what seemed cool probably through Hollywood and you know what they're right. pumping out at us. Uh, the reality of finding a job and trying to you know support yourself uh, becomes more apparent when you're 21 and graduating <laughs> and student loans are about to come due. And yeah. so uh, I was offered a job in Boston out of school and it seemed close enough. Yeah. So um, and it was not Cleveland. So I was I was uh, pretty excited and kind of left at that opportunity. And what what school did you go to? Uh, Syracuse University, which oh, is cool. um, right smack in the center of New York State. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So was it a big deal when you went to Syracuse? Was it like, oh my God, you're leaving home? Or had other people? No, it was a, well, I, um, no, my dad and his brother had gone to college, as had one of my aunts. So I was not the first to go to college. Yeah. But um, it was sanctioned because I was told, <laughs> <laughs> I was told growing, like, uh, you know, when I got to, you know, thinking about college age. Uh, my parents were like, oh, well, you can go just about as far as like we could drive you in one day because there was not going to be like a flight involved. There was not going to be... So University of Hawaii was out? Straight out, okay. yeah. And so I might as well have just drawn a compass from <laughs> pinpoint with Cleveland and then spun a circle to see how far that would, you know, five and a half hours, six hours. Right. And Syracuse is at the eastern end of that tether and gotcha. uh, happened to really love it. And yeah, so that's <laughs> that's the one that was the lucky winner. Gotcha. So what was, like, what were you like in high school? Were you a nerdy kid or a jock or hmm. what, how'd it go for oh, you? Oh boy, uh, most certainly not a jock. No. You know, looking back, I would say at the time I thought I was just kind of like normal. Like I had a nice group of friends. I was big. You thought you were normal in high school? Nobody thinks they're normal. <laughs> well, rephrase. I thought like things seemed to, like they were fine. And then looking back, you realize, oh... You just kind of were making it work. Like, you know, it's sure. like the same yeah. stressors that all kids kind of feel. Yeah. Uh, but I think I was fortunate I wasn't bullied or anything. But no, uh, I was sort of like a yearbook nerd. In fact, a sure. huge yearbook nerd. I was the editor for two years, and wow. all my friends were on it. So it was kind of like this little yearbook nerd club. Yeah. Were you uh, the president? I was, You yeah. were the president of the yearbook nerd <laughs> club? <laughs> yeah, I loved it. It was, um, you know, I think that's what kind of put me on to liking graphic design. So it was sort of... Um, the foundation of like really enjoying layout and publications and print design yeah. and you know that and now we're here but um, yeah in high school I think I I wouldn't have said that I was a popular kid definitely not a jock just sort of middle of the road had good friends that I'd grown up with and uh, but probably shyer much shyer than I am now and yeah, yeah uh, probably not as confident which I'm sure is true of almost every high schooler yeah um, but yeah, I think, you know, lived a fairly sheltered life as far as I'm sure many, you know, other people, I, you know, but I didn't think twice about it. It wasn't like my parents, it wasn't like some sort of footloose situation where <laughs> we weren't allowed to dance. My parents, I don't think I would call them strict, but they were fairly like socially conservative, not necessarily like in a political sense, but just uh, not really like, they weren't the cool parents. They were like the parents that laid down the law, like right. if you were doing something bad. So we just kind of fell in line, my brother and I, and... Maybe that led to us being a little bit more um, on the shy and retiring side during yeah. our high school years. Yeah. So it's just it was just you and your brother? Yes, I have one just younger brother, younger. Andrew. Okay, how much younger? He is three and a half years younger than I am. So you were in high school at the same time? No, we just missed each other. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> so it goes. Yeah. So you went off to Syracuse for design? At the time, I thought I was going to do magazine journalism. Sure. And then almost instantly realized what I had liked about the yearbook was not the writing part, it was the design and editing and editing of the design part. So uh, when I found out there was a major and you could do just that, I was like, yep, that's instant <laughs> switch. So uh, yeah, pretty much immediately um, 
but I always thought something in communications would be appealing, yeah. and it stuck. So, yeah. And you like Syracuse? I did. I loved Syracuse. It was a good four years. Met a lot of new people, kind of uh, learned a lot about the world, and came out of the shell a little bit. Yeah. So what's your, what's your defining, I guess your defining memory of, of Syracuse? Like wh- when you look back on it, are you, are you mm-hmm. like, oh man, I drank a lot or, you know, what? <laughs> I think, yeah, no, it's not the drinking, although I'm sure that there are plenty of stories I can tell you about that. <laughs> that wouldn't say that that was at all a defining characteristic of my college. No, what really stood out is, um, so my, you know, you were saying huge lecture halls. Yeah, you can have hundreds of people in the same room, but as you kind of winnow down and like get into your major you start to see the same faces over and over again. So you do sort of forge a smaller community among you know the bigger uh, class. And my particular major had, in my graduating class, like 30 students in coming out of this one major. So I was with those 30 people a lot because mm-hmm. we spent a lot of time in the computer lab for the graphics lab and to develop our portfolios. So I have a lot of really, really great memories of being with those people like really late at night, working really hard on some sort of assignment or later on for a portfolio. and just trying to pull it off and meet deadline and getting a little giddy, you know, at four <laughs> o'clock in the morning when we were high on like sugar. And right. uh, yeah, I, and I'm still friends with quite a few of those people and we keep in touch and do birthdays and, you know, kids are you know, all on the way now. So, you know, kids' birthdays at this point. But wow. yeah, so I, I think cool. that that was a defining, you know, moment of yeah. my time there. And you were studying graphic design or just yeah. design? Yeah, it was communication design. So oh, communication. yeah, it was, okay. it was through the communication school and then subset gotcha so what is it I mean you sort of touched on this but what drew you to that I don't know I because um frankly I'm terrible at art (laughs) yeah like I can't draw for shit um which is always surprising (laughs) to people and they're like can you just sketch this I'm like not really of course not (laughs) (laughs) what do you think I am some sort of design major uh but I I think it's actually a sense of organization about like print design in particular that is super appealing and my <laughs> my freelance business is neat nick design which i like things tidy yeah you don't and, say yeah, i like things tidy <laughs> but i think that's kind of applies to design as well like you could get uh hey you know this nick you can get a bunch of articles together and pictures sure. and someone throws it at you and says hey make a make a pretty you know magazine out of this in like the next week and so it's how do you organize all of that content and, and make it look like something that someone wants to look at for more than half a second. So, so it was the grid lines that really did it for yeah, you? Yeah, it's in, really in staying, <laughs> despite my efforts to want to leave the boundary of Cleveland, I'm really staying inside the lines because <laughs> it really <laughs> drew me into graphic design. But yeah, I think, I don't know, I think it maybe is a sense of tidying something up. I do really enjoy digging into, you know, print in particular. Gotcha. Seeing it all kind of come together on the screen is, yeah. is cool, but... I don't know if there's like one defining moment of like, oh yeah, this is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I think it was just a gradual like, hey, I'm not the worst at this and I could probably make some money if I pushed yeah, forward. So there wouldn't be, in the in the story of your life, there wouldn't be like a Rocky montage where you're just like, you know, I'm really bad at this and then you just get better and there's that, you know. No, I, I think it was a, a, a much smoother progression than that. It was, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, after college, you got offered a job in Boston, you said? I did, and it was through um, people who had went to Syracuse and graduated the year before me, mm-hmm. same major. And I found out there was a job opening in a really small place. It was like five people, and uh, there was an opening for me at the time. The company was perpetually um, short on cash, and cash flow was That's always a little always bit. That's always nice. Yeah, but as like a 22-year-old, I was like, everything's going to be great. Sure. There's no possible problem that could come <laughs> up with this, and... 
Um, so six months later, I was laid off. <laughs> oh, shit, really? Yeah, after just <laughs> and telling my parents, like, I'm a big girl now, and I'm going to make it in the city. <laughs> womp, womp. So I remember being devastated. Oh, I would. I was so upset. But um, I think I was unemployed for a grand total of, like, four days. Oh, this was shit. before the recession. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, lucky you. Yeah, I got placed at um, the Boston Museum of Science to, like, as a, has a temporary, um, temporary worker. But... Person who worked there was also someone I graduated with from at Syracuse, so it was kind of still in the family. When you say you like, got placed there, what? Oh, I went through an agency, just oh, like Creative Circle. So right away, you went. As soon I as called you got them laid like off. I like I got laid off and like cried about it for a day, and then the <laughs> next day I was like, well, I should call the agency to see what they can do, and then yeah. got placed. So oh, wow. yeah, that was well, that. Look at you. All right, and so then how long? <laughs> Again, were you before the recession. Yeah, yeah, I was only there for a couple months. I um knew it was temporary uh so we can dig into this later i don't know how fast or slow you want to go through my Doesn't life really trajectory matter. i can edit the shit out of this <laughs> okay. if it's boring <laughs> okay and it is so far so <laughs> stop yourself so uh that temporary job at the museum of science was because they're down a worker she had been diagnosed with breast cancer and she was like 32 years old at the time hmm. and so i remember thinking oh my gosh that's such a young age to be diagnosed yeah. with cancer um, so I was only there for a short period of time before she was probably going to come back. And I actually wound up leaving before she returned from her, you know, uh, time off. But yeah. uh, I just thought it was uh, then a little bit, I don't know, an odd coincidence that later in life that I should have gone through the same thing. And yeah. then, yeah. And how old were you when you were I was 30. Oh. And then I found out this past year that a third woman from the Boston Museum of Science was diagnosed with no. cancer. <laughs> she was probably 36, but like, like radiation in the walls. I, I don't know. It is uh, the Museum of Science in Boston is uh, built sort of like on stilts over the Charles River. Okay. So, my, so and there's that song Dirty Water. Yeah. I don't know if you know that song. I don't know. Okay. But sure, you can, can you sing it for me? Yeah. <laughs> Love that oh, dirty water. <laughs> Good job. I yeah, still don't go. know it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's some sort of 60s song. You can you can YouTube that for your okay. viewing pleasure. Sure. But yeah, maybe there literally was something in the water that was Could seeping be. up through the, yeah. the walls yeah. in there. But yeah, so yeah, three of us in eight years, uh, all in our 30s, which I thought was kind of weird, weird yeah. coincidence. But mm -hmm. yeah, everyone's healthy and well now, though. And mm, good. Yeah, onto, onto something better. Yeah. So, yeah, so what brought it. you from Boston to Chicago? Was that the trajectory, Boston straight to Chicago? It was. I um, started working for our company, Stay Well Custom <laughs> Communications, um, in 2007. And in Boston? In Boston. Okay. I had an office there at the time. Yeah. And uh, I probably would still be there if that job was still there. But oh. um, they closed that office and said, oh, you're all laid off unless you want to move to Chicago. And I didn't really have any family in Boston. And every, it, the recession was sort of like this disconcerting time when there were like no jobs. Right. and. People were starting to freak out, and so it seemed like, yeah, sure, I'll take this guaranteed job in a yeah. new city. So, yeah, uh, I was like, oh, I'll be closer to Cleveland too, so I'll see my parents a lot more, which sure. is didn't, not didn't work not out so well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're we closer, see each other. Not, yeah, we're, close. yeah, it's still a flight, so yeah. Yeah, we see each other about the same amount as yeah. we always did. Yeah. Um, but if you want to talk about anxieties, we could talk about those. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. why not? <laughs> Definitely runs in my family. Really I don't know about yours? Yeah. Uh, I not diagnosed, but I have been diagnosed with, with anxiety and just looking around, it's like, oh yeah, you're, everybody here is fucking anxious. You know, that's probably <laughs> the reason, but you've got it running through your, through your veins, through my veins. I try my best to not to, uh, I think maybe that's why I just got to like plow ahead with some of this stuff and like compartmentalize it and then move on. Cause mm -hmm. I do see like 
where it could go if I just allowed the anxiety to grip hold of me. And um, like my mom's extremely anxious person. And I think the bed bugs are actually harder on her than they were on me. <laughs> it opens some sort of terror in her mind that has never <laughs> loosened its grip. So we're still dealing with the fallout of that, you know, yeah. six years later. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think it's something because I see it in her and where it, it kind of could go down the road, try to work really hard to uh, stay positive and stay focused on like moving forward. So not letting something that happened in the past, like grip me. And so that's the way yeah. that it manifests itself in you is, is kind of dwelling on. Um, I think the, uh, my mother's family's name is Lazio. The Lazio family gene is that, to, that it's real easy to just like fixate on the past and then just like think about it and think about it and think oh, yeah. about it, think about it. And, um, can really get kind of bogged down in that. Oh, so, sure. yeah. <laughs> so um, I try not to dwell. It's sometimes hard, but uh, yeah, I think I, you know, as mentioned, bed bugs. Try that was bad for a while, and then just try to like talk to a therapist about it, move on. And yeah. same with cancer. Like I could just, I mean, lots of people can get bogged down in that and really just sort of get stuck um, in like a negative place. But right. just, to, I think I just kind of put that sort of um, aside and tried to blow past it because. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to, I don't know, I don't want to be talking in 50 years about uh, some really tiny thing, some some sort of problem that happened like forever ago that I just can't let go and yeah. keep recycling that same, you know, disappointment or fear. I don't think that uh, being diagnosed with cancer at 30 is a really tiny thing you know, <laughs> that you can look back All right, on. I realize that was probably, that maybe came off good. <laughs> I suppose, it, I suppose it's uh, deeper than that, but I don't know, I... I think maybe my experience is different than a lot of other people that went through that. I uh, was really lucky with doctors and treatment, and things went pretty smoothly overall. Yeah. So, so how did that? How did you even come to find out that you had cancer? I found it myself. It was just random. I was lying in bed one night reading a book, and I like went to go scratch my side. And I was like, "Oh, that feels kind of funny." Hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, "I'm sure it's nothing." Like very like I again with the trying not to fixate on like negativity. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm sure it's just like something you know benign. And I had a doctor's appointment anyhow, and I'm like, I'll just ask her about it when I'm in there. Yeah. So I did, and she's like, oh, we should probably have it, you know, uh, poked at and like investigated. And I was yeah. like, okay, sure. Like still not anxious at all. Just like everything's fine. <laughs> what are the odds? Uh, turned out, odds were not in my favor. So, <laughs> so that was quite a surprise. Yeah, it was definitely a surprise. Well, talk a little bit more about that. Are you comfortable talking about Absolutely, that? Absolutely, okay. yeah. No, so, I have no problem talking about it. Um, I can tell you kind of the the path, like, yeah. sure, whatever. Okay, you can ask me anything you want and okay. jump in whenever you feel like it. So, yeah, I um, just went through a series of tests to kind of determine what it was after they had they felt this lump. So mm -hmm. you go in and you get, uh, uh, first they just do want to do like a, a mammogram and like an ultrasound, which is kind of like an external way to see like what's going on in there and... Uh, I think, you know, I probably, if I was a little savvier, I would, I should have known after they did the ultrasound and then told me that I was going to make another appointment. I should have known at that point that, oh boy, things are going south real fast. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, sure, another appointment's fine. And then <laughs> the next, <laughs> the next appointment was the biopsy. And I think that got me a little bit upset, not because I was worried about having cancer. I still was of this mode and I was like, there's no way that this is yeah. possible. I'm 30 years old. Yeah. Fuck off. There's no history in my family. Everything's fine. This is just whatever. Um, 
It's that damn Charles River. It is that Charles River. Yeah, I, yeah. stay away from the Boston Museum of Science. Jeez, not a good endorsement. Um, yeah, I guess they're not going to be sponsoring this podcast anytime soon. <laughs> sponsoring breast cancer awareness. Yeah. Um, so I went in for this biopsy, and I, the thing that upset me really was, like, I guess, <laughs> another 30 Rock reference. I don't know if you remember the 30 Rock episode where Liz has to get some sort of dental work done, and they tell her that she needs a ride home, and so she has to have someone sign her right. out. And she yeah. says, I'm not ashamed to tell you that I am leaving alone and have no one to drive me or something like that. <laughs> and so I remember I went for the biopsy. It was the middle of a work day. And I wasn't going to ask, I mean, it was nothing to me. I wasn't going to ask some friend to, like, leave work and sit outside some office for an hour while they poked (laughs) me. So I went in alone. But, like, they had, uh, like, the nurse in there and the doctor in there. Someone was shadowing the doctor. And they had, like, they had, like, five people in there. Hmm. (laughs) And every single one of them at some point was like, is there someone waiting outside for you? And after, like, the third person, like, I started to lose it a little bit. And I was like, nope, stop asking. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I am here alone. And finally, the one nurse was like, all right, it's fine. Like, she could tell that I was about to, you know, I'm like lying prone on a table and they're all like, doop, 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 poking and uh, asking, you know, personal questions. So (laughs) I'm like, everything's fine. It's fine. So uh, it was. I went back to work in the afternoon, I remember, after that. And I was like, oh, well, they'll find out what we find out. And then um, that was a Friday. And then uh, Monday after work, the doctor called. I was at home. Yeah. And I knew before I answered it that what it was going to be. Because the doctors don't call you after work if it's good news. If it's really? good news, they just send you an email and say, all clear. Or they'll leave a message on your phone that says, results are back, no problem. Yeah. But because she had called me, it was like 6 p.m., I, I knew when I saw her number come up. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so is oh. that the first time when you were like, oh, fuck, this is actually... When it, yeah, like 30 seconds before, or like 10 seconds before I was told yeah. it was positive, I knew... I finally was like, oh, <laughs> this is what we've been building up towards this whole time. <laughs> so if you're building that movie about my life, Nick, yeah. you could just have me tiptoe through podcast? the tulips. Is it okay to do a podcast about your life instead of the movie? Because <laughs> sure. okay, that's what we're doing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Someone can make a movie of this podcast if they choose. Oh, it would be a very boring movie. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she told she's very nice by the way great doctor um she kind of she's like i'm gonna give her a shout out by name dr bonadonna what up you're the best um she's really great and she's like i am so sorry i hate having to make these calls but unfortunately it is malignant and i was like what (laughs) there was like a beat and i think i said oh fuck (laughs) and then i started crying and then she's like well you go you um like think about it for a minute and like call if you need to call your your mom or someone like talk to them and then call me right back at this number with any questions i'm not a fucking therapist okay talk to somebody and i'll she's very nice okay yeah well no she i just said i don't know like i I was just really upset yeah and i'm not really coherent she probably thought like this girl needs to have a minute before we (laughs) we talk further so she was nice so i did i did not call my parents i did not tell them right away what was going on Mm -hmm. i'm recalling my brother and my best friend and told them, and there was, like, a lot of, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> my best friend knew that I had been doing the tests, but we had been making, like, I recently went back and looked at old emails, and our emails to each other, like, in those days during the tests were, like, very, <laughs> very glib and, like, uh, dirty jokes about, like, getting boob biopsies and things <laughs> like that. <laughs> I was, like, very, very not serious at all. Um, and then, of course, you know, with that revelation, we kind of snapped, too. Right. But um, so then the re- I feel like the following the week following that was a real 
a stress ball blur yeah. because I hadn't told my parents. I didn't tell my parents because, as mentioned, my mom has these like sort of snowballing anxieties, and I imagined her reaction would be something like meltdown city, and I just couldn't. I didn't think I could deal with it right away yeah. before I really figured out what was kind of going on. Um, once they tell you that it's malignant, they don't know all the, everything about it. They just know that something's wrong. So you still have to go in for like a million other tests. So I didn't have a lot of answers, and I knew that if I told my mom I was, I had cancer, but didn't couldn't tell her anything else, that it'd be bad. Yeah. So I, I said I was gonna. I thought I'll wait a week to get more tests done on my own, and then have more answers about what's going on, and then I'll be able to like inform her of this decision. <laughs> um, unfortunately, and that's what is what happened. But unfortunately, it was super stressful on me to not be able to tell my parents what was going on because yeah. we're pretty close and. I, I was useless at work. I remember just like sitting at my desk, like looking at my computer, like trying not to cry was how I spent most of that week. Yeah. I should have just taken off work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like everything's fun. fine. I'm just going to go to work and pretend it's okay. Yeah. Um, so I did all these tests and I remember my brother, uh, I was going to meet with the doctors on a Thursday night um, after work to talk about like all the results that have happened during the week. And they're like, well, would you want someone else to like come with you or... You know, hear what we have to say. And I remember my, my brother uh, said he would call in. He, he lives in D.C. He said he'd call in, like, a conference call. And, like, oh, he would nice. listen in. So he did. He was really great. And he oh, asked wow. questions and was a good brother. And, and this was before your parents? Yeah, this was Thursday. And then I said, after that call, I was like, well, I know enough about what the diagnosis is. I yeah. need to kind of tell them. So I remember, like, <laughs> you said something about Rocky earlier. This is, like, the Rocky moment. I had to, like, psych myself up. I was, like, <laughs> went for a jog. I was, like, whoo, got <laughs> Got to get the blood flowing and get in the right frame of mind. And I remember calling them and being like, so scared. I couldn't even, could barely even get out to them and tell them what was happening. And to their credit, they took it like total champs. Mm. Um, like it was kind of blew me away. I thought for sure it was going to be some sort of, oh, my baby. Uh, but it was really just, uh, okay, all right, well, um, the next step is like, what are we going to do and how are we going to try to solve this and work together and so it was great. I mean, the crying came later, but in that sure. moment for that call, it was just the right thing. So yeah. they're probably yeah. their parents. They could probably tell they you needed them to not do that. You needed them at that moment. Hopefully, to be, yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> just give them that. Yeah, the, sure. yes, yeah. I I agree. They um they played it perfectly for whatever you know. However, it came about, it was just the right phone call to have. Yeah. So I'm curious, just in that intervening week. What are you doing? I mean, you're at your desk, you know, not working because you can't focus. Do you, like, come home and watch 30 Rock? Like, what do you... <laughs> what did I do? A lot of it was writing emails to my friends or, like, calls to my friends because my friends knew at that point. My best girlfriends knew and my brother knew. So a lot of it was kind of telling them what I had done that day as far as, like, developments. Um, uh, I remember not sleeping a lot, so I definitely wasn't doing that. Um, I, I may have watched TV. I, it's really just, like, all I remember. I remember very clearly like all the doctor's appointments that mm -hmm. week but I don't remember anything else that I did yeah um and I hadn't told anyone at work yet so I remember trying to like play it real cool at the office like everything is normal nothing yeah. nothing strange is happening here at all um but it was but being mostly useless so yeah very strange okay. and also um anyone who's kind of been through any sort of condition not just cancer I'm sure but any other thing that requires you to be at the hospital a lot for like multiple tests we can tell you probably something similar but it's almost it's um uh what's the word like uh, it's not invasive that's not the right word um but it's like you kind of just lose this sense of like 
personal space because everyone is just grabbing at you to sort of like cop a feel or like you know take a scan or position you this way or that way so it's like you kind of lose this sense of like privacy about your body I guess if if that makes any sense um it kind of just becomes like part of the hospital (laughs) because it's like everyone needs to come in and take a look so it's sort of um that sort of loss of um like mumsiness about your body. You're just like, whatever. <laughs> and who wants to come in and yeah. take a gander, feel free. Yeah. Nothing exciting here. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that, that was um, that was the fall of 2013. And yeah. now we're winter of, almost winter of 2015. So it seems like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, treatment in some ways is its own sort of... Uh, pattern and schedule like it seems scary at first because you're going through all of these new tests and you don't know what's going on you have no answers and it's really scary but once you kind of get all of your answers and your tests done you know what your plan of action is so after the after all the tests come in the doctors say okay i recommend that you do this or this Mm -hmm. um so once i got my recommendation for treatment which in my case was surgery and then chemotherapy and radiation and then medication you just kind of get in the pattern. So instead of uh, going to work five days a week, you go to work every day except Thursday. And Thursday is like the day you go to the hospital and like sit in the chair and fall asleep with the old people <laughs> getting chemo. Yeah. Um, it's actually when you're done with treatment that things get weirder because you're done with treatment. You're out of the routine that was your routine for the last year. Mm-hmm. You're kind of back into the real world now, and but things are really different. And you're kind of dealing with side effects and... Um, Maybe they're physical, maybe they're more mental. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually a lot harder on some people. Um, Was it harder on you? Um, I didn't think so at the time. I remember thinking, I'm totally fine, which is a re- <laughs> recurring recurring pattern. Where, um, my doctor was like, you know, it's going to take you a while to get back to your normal self. And I'm like, I'm already my normal self. <laughs> But uh, she was right, and I just—I think I was too inside of it to realize what was happening. But I think I was a little bit depressed for probably like six months after, and just like super lethargic and had no energy and mm-hmm. not really me uh, for like maybe I finished treatment in May, I think until like almost Thanksgiving. Really, and I, it was almost like a light switch went on. Like right around November, I was like, oh my gosh! Like, kind of looked in the mirror. I was like, oh wow! Like you haven't exercised in a year and a half. Like mm-hmm. you have no—you had no energy, so you put on all this weight and like I just suddenly felt energized again like I wanted to get out there and like do stuff in the world so yeah I was like oh the doctor was right like I I wasn't really me and I think now that we're even further out so some of that immediate side effect stuff is sort of worn off but like the longer term side effects of having a cancer diagnosis are starting to kick in now which is weird such as um I mean if you really want to get into it like so most people that go through chemotherapy, it affects their fertility. So, like, before I started chemotherapy, I did fertility preservation, which is, like, eggs. It's, like, in vitro without the – they're not fertilized. It's just, right. like, they just took my eggs. So, um, that was actually worse than any sort of treatment for cancer. That was, like, I had every single, like, anomalous – is that a word? Anomalous side effect? You just made it a word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, if there's, like, oh, 10% chance of this, and you're, like, oh, I'm sure I won't be in that 10%. Like, for that particular procedure, I was in every sort of, like – Oh, shit. Yeah, so it was it was a pretty miserable time. I don't yeah. know if we worked together at that point, but I was, like, in the office, but, like, I looked like death. I remember Amy Berman – or Amy Berman – no. Bernstein? Bernstein. Nope. Nope. Production. Amy B. I thought it was Amy Berman. I think it's Amy Berman. Yeah, I thought sure. it was right. Let's go with that. I remember she was like, 
should you go home? <laughs> I was walking down the hall. She's like, are you okay? Are you sick? And I was like, still hadn't really told people like everyone what was going on yeah. a little bit, but not really. And I was like, it's fine. <laughs> it was not good. It was bad. Um, so that was, that was like literally painful. Not like the emotional stuff. It wasn't really entering too much at the time. Yeah. Uh, but, but uh, I guess to skip back, the, the process goes pretty quickly because you have to like do it quickly before you have to start your cancer treatment. So um, you have like maybe a day to make the decision and then like as soon as you're like at the right time for your, of the month, literally, yeah. um, you just go in and do it. It takes two weeks and then that's it. Takes so two weeks. If you're, if you're um, doing it for cancerous reasons, it's like accelerated schedule. Wow. Yeah. But so I, how often did you go in for those two weeks? I felt like daily. Probably it was every other day. Yeah. Um, but you have to have checkups. And for a while, my, at that point in time, my parents were here staying with me quite a bit. Oh, really? So they would take, drive me back and forth to the uh, appointments, which were super helpful. Yeah. But I remember sitting in this fertility clinic, and it was like uh, me and my mom sitting there amidst um, all of these like couples, like mm. you know, in their 30s and 40s, 50s, right. probably 30s and 40s, they were <laughs> trying to get pregnant. Yeah. I remember turning to her at one point and like touching her hand and being like, "I really hope this works out." For us. <laughs> <laughs> we just needed that moment to laugh because I think. It was the realization of like, oh my gosh, like these people are here because they're in a relationship and they're trying to build their family. But like, this is just some weird shit show that's happening to me <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here for super bizarre reasons. Yeah. And yeah, it was just a little bit weird. Um, yeah, so yeah, I wasn't super fond of having to do that, but um, I guess it was a good insurance policy to give yourself as much opportunity yeah. if you want a kid later to, to be able to have one. Yeah. So yeah, it's it, it super sucked. The whole thing was miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, it's sort of this trend now in the world that, um, women of maybe 30 in their thirties are encouraged to like, uh, harvest their eggs to like, if they're a career woman and they want to have like, uh, you know, follow your career, but then have a kid later in life. So I can't really even imagine just doing it casually. Like, because it was so painful. Because it was so miserable. And I think I know that my situation was abnormal and like most people probably is like relatively easy, like one day off and you're fine, but just... I can't even imagine some woman just being like, oh, sure, I'll just do that on a whim to, for, you know, future use. Why not? Like, <laughs> what, what made it so miserable? I know nothing about this operation. Oh. I could probably Google it. You but could, I but I'll just tell yeah, you. just go ahead. Well, I'll tell you. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the two weeks leading up to the, the final procedure is uh, just you are shooting yourself up with hormones. So, mm. um, super fun. So you have to do it yourself because... Like injecting? Injecting yourself. It's like um, self-injecting stuff um, you into like your put body. put in your butt like steroids or what? I put mine in my tummy. Your tummy? Your tummy. That sounds much worse. <laughs> Why did you choose that? That's Is what that... you're told to oh, put that's it. that's what you're told. Okay, yeah. it wasn't like you had a choice. Like, of it's anyone, not like operation. Like, yeah. to the stomach. <laughs> no, they're like, you have your choice of upper thigh or like tummy. Basically okay. where your fat is. Got it. Okay. Um... Uh, and so, yeah, they, they give you the drugs, they explain it to you once in the office, like, this is how you do it, how you do it, and uh, the injector thing, and go home and do it. And I was like, um... <laughs> so the first night I had to inject myself, I it took me like an hour and a half, because I was so scared of I was doing it wrong. <laughs> but did you just like keep putting the needle close no, to No, I would like, I would like, uh, I had to measure it, like self-measure it, like uh, on my own, so I would like, do I have the right amount? And yeah. I couldn't get it right, and then... 
Um, I like super prepped the area. And so the first time I did it, it took forever for me to like get the right amount and like inject it. And then by the end of the two weeks, I was like, bam, like I would just come <laughs> home and like stick it into myself. And it was like nothing. <laughs> but um, I don't think I could be any sort of drug addict because I was yeah. not, it was not super well, appealing. Now you know. It's, it's good. <laughs> Give it a test. good shot. Yep, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so you just, yeah, you basically are like high on hormones and then at the end of it, they, um, they do this outpatient procedure and, uh, my parents are really supportive and my dad made this joke that, um, so the procedure was in this like outpatient lab area that was in an office park. So it was like very, like everyone was going to work and like I went into this office on the bottom floor to get like my eggs hard. <laughs> That's, that's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> it was a nice enough office, but it's like 20 minutes. So it's like no time at all. And I was, uh, it's twilight sleep. So I remember like being in the, um, being in the chair and they're like, all right, it's going to kick in. And it, sure enough, like the next thing I remember was waking up yeah. in the chair that they had put me in and the nurse came in. She's like, all right, well, you can just sit here for a few minutes and get your bearings. And then when you're ready to go, you know, um, your mom's right outside and, oh, by the way, you know, there could be some side effects for, <laughs> if you feel like maybe like a little bit like full or like crampy or just a little, well, just drink some Gatorade and it should go away. And I was like, okay. Like no one had ever said that there would be some sort of side effect. So I was <laughs> like, well, now I'm freaked out. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, fine. Um, so we drove home and I'm, I could, that was probably in the afternoon. And then like, as the night went on, I was like, oh man, I feel terrible. Like I couldn't after a while even sit or like lie down. I could only stand. Like I felt like, um, you know, Willy Wonka when, what's her name? <laughs> the blueberry. And she like keeps yeah, blowing up bigger yeah. and bigger, bigger. That was that like Violet? me, Violet Beauregard. Oh, Beauregard? Yeah. yeah. So it was like her, except instead of like, because I'd eaten candy, it was because some weirdness had happened. I don't, I never even got a full explanation of why it happened. Were you but... visibly bloating? Yeah. yeah. It was like water. Like, oh, but like, and it was just like my tummy was yeah. like, I had had a child, like yeah. I'm pregnant. And it was like, I was pregnant. <laughs> so after a while, my mom was like, you have to sit, you cannot stand all night we have to help you lie down or something so we like propped up all these pillows in my bed and she was like trying to help me like lean back like i was getting like stiff like i couldn't even like bend and so <laughs> she kind of got like my butt on the bed she's like i'm gonna lift your leg we're gonna kind of just like scoot you sitting up so had you had gatorade by this point i had had plenty of gatorade okay, good. yeah Dude, i was just making sure i gave this... it a shot okay, gave it a I fair shake that, like nurse to be like you should have you drink the gatorade? The gatorade i told you to <laughs> no my, I, the first thing on, we did on the way home was like we stopped at like a store and like got a six pack of like red gatorade yeah. which i will never drink again <laughs> <laughs> sorry gatorade you're right out yep um also not a sponsor of the podcast. <laughs> Shit, he's alienating. Museum of Science and Gatorade. Yeah. So Had to cross it off the list. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, continue. Uh, no, so I remember like I had one leg off the floor to like get up on the bed and like this pain went up my spine and I like passed out. And like no I, shit. And I, I, I had screamed. Pain? And I remember screaming and then I kind of blacked out and I woke up and my dad was there and we're like, he's like, we called the ambulance. <laughs> and I was like, what happened? And... Uh, it had only been like a split second, but it was just like really painful. Well, it was long um, enough for him to have called the ambulance. It was fine. Um, at the time, as soon as I woke up, I was like, "I'm fine. I'm fine. Like you don't need to like you can't call it off." Yeah. <laughs> once you call yeah. the once you call <laughs> the ambulance, that's JK, turn around. Yeah. So they came to here, um, and I remember my upstairs neighbor's son was like walking by, and he's like, "What's going on?" And I was like, "It's fine. <laughs> don't worry about it." So they took me to the ER over at Swedish Covenant. 
And by the time I got there, I felt foolish. I was like, well, now I feel fine. Nothing's really wrong. I still felt miserable. Like, I still felt uncomfortable, but, like, nothing was, like, what are you going to do? I feel uncomfortable. Like, right. I can't do anything. So, they, you know, they take your intake form. They're, like, asking you questions. And they're like, oh, we need to do um, a heart, like, a, you need, like, an EKG or something. But then you hook you up to, like, a machine where you had to lie down to, like, put stickers onto your chest to right. do this. The scan. I was like, I don't think I should lie down. Like, that's kind of what got me here. And right. Like, oh, well, you know, we really need to get this, so it would be helpful. Can you give it a shot? And I was like, okay, sounds fine. I'm sure it was a fluke. Should know by now that things are not a fluke with me <laughs> where it comes to weird medical things. And uh, it happened again. I mean, I screamed so loud. It hurt so bad. And, like, everyone came running from, like, all the other rooms. Like, all the male nurses were like, what? What? <laughs> remember my parents at that time were out in the waiting room and later on they're like, was that you screaming in the ER? We could hear you out in the waiting room. I was like, oh, yeah, that was me. So did you pass out again? Like, black No, because I could, I could, like, feel it. And I was like, get me up. Get me up. I can feel yeah. it. And so, like, the male nurse kind of, like, called me off the bed. And yeah. it still, like, kind of happened. But um, they're like, okay, well, we need to get this scan. This is, like, by the way, the worst night of my life. This is, like, hands down the worst I day. I would hope so. The worst if, day if of my life. If anything is worse than this, then fuck. Um, but wait, there's more. So <laughs> I haven't I really ever been unhealthy. So I haven't ever had much experience with, like, prescription drugs or, mm-hmm. like, um, painkillers. It's never been something that I've needed. So I had one other time in my life that I had had, had to take, like, a dose of Percocet, which is, like, a narcotic, yeah. super painkiller. It had it didn't go well, but I thought it was maybe just because other stuff was going on and being really sick after I took it. Yeah. So like, okay, well, we need to get these scans, so we're gonna give you some sort of like super strong narcotic, uh, so you, you can take these scans. And I was like, I don't know if this is also a good idea because <laughs> <laughs> this also happened one time, and they're like, well, we don't know like what else to give you for pain, yeah. and you're in pain, so we're gonna give you the narcotic and. It's like okay, so I was standing and the nurse came in. She's like, "I'm gonna inject you with this stuff." I was standing up at the time because it was still uncomfortable to like sit. Um, she shot it into my arm, and then I remember staring at my dad. Uh, and then like two seconds later, I went like wobbled, and he was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I was like, "Dad, I don't feel good." And he's it was like, "They just injected you," and I was like. I don't think this is going to go well. And sure enough, for the next five hours, I could not stop throwing up. Oh. <laughs> so it was like the worst night ever. Um, so yeah, after that. after before you even started your cancer treatment. Yes. This is yeah. just like this is the, the, this is the, the precursor. Oh. So actually, Fuck. it might have worked out fine because so I, I wound up staying a couple days in the hospital. Um, they really couldn't do anything. Like they can't give you narcotics, so they can't kill your pain. Yeah. Because you'll just keep throwing up. Um, and there wasn't really too much you can do for, like, someone who's bloated. <laughs> like, right. it was, uh, so that's it. Like, they just kind of let me hang out. And then I finally was just, like, to a point where I felt okay-ish enough to just go home to be miserable in my own house. <sighs> so, wait, what were you, do you know, what were you bloated with? Was It, it was water. It was, it was water. literally water. Couldn't they just, like, prick you with a pen <sighs> and it'll I wish I dreamt, I used to dream of that. Really? When I was, I was like... Could someone just put like a straw like <laughs> yeah, in just, my belly button and like do a stint kind of thing. I never got a good answer about like why, but I yeah. they explained it and I was like I didn't understand yeah, any of that. Whatever. Sense. All I know is that I'm having a miserable time. So I would go to the doctor like for a couple days afterward, and I'm like, what are all these side effects? Like, why am I so uncomfortable? And like I that's when I like was at work and like could barely walk around. Yeah. And uh, the doctor's like, you know, at one point it's just gonna go away. It's just gonna be like 
uh, you feel bad, and then soon enough, like in the next hour, you're gonna feel fine. And I was like, whatever, lady. Yeah. <laughs> this is you're full of shit. Um, <laughs> you've told me nothing but lies yeah. so far. But she was right because, like, I woke up one day and I was just like, uh, fine. Like, really? Yeah. You just uh, basically start going to the bathroom like nonstop. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's so, where the water goes instead of out of a straw through yeah, your stomach. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it was, it was bizarre. It was really bizarre. But, like, I had weighed myself, like, before I started. And I was, then I weighed myself during because I was, like, this has to be manifesting itself in some way. Yeah. And I basically put on, like, 30 pounds in, like, a day. No. Yeah. 30? 30. That's and I, not an exaggeration? Like, not an exaggeration. Holy So, shit. I remember, like, uh, my clothes wouldn't fit. Like, I had to go to this doctor's appointment. And I remember, like, sobbing in front of my closet. And I was, like, no, no, my clothes will go off. Oh Even God. the sweatpants were tight. Oh, like, fuck. so remember I, um, it's my like dad's the Santa Claus. It was like this. <laughs> <laughs> there was no escape clause. Yeah, <laughs> I wish. Um, I remember my dad's. He's a pretty like calm and stoic guy, but I guess my outburst in front of the closet was enough to finally push him over the edge. Because later on, um, like my mom wrestled me into some sweatpants at the time, and we went up to the doctor's appointment. But when I was finished with the appointment, like she came with like a bag from Target, and she's like very upset that you felt you didn't have anything to wear to the doctor so he went out and bought you some, some other really clothes sweet. and I was like dad oh my god that's you're really adorable sweet. did you just buy like a bunch of XL clothes my <laughs> mom I think my mom had done the real shopping like, yeah. <laughs> but it was yeah it was like plus size clothing yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so that was the precursor but I gotta say in a way it maybe worked out in my favor because treatment seemed like a real breeze after yeah. that. I was like, this is great. Not even in the hospital at all. But that must have, I mean, I don't know, maybe this is just me projecting onto you, but if that had happened to me, that would have just like fucked me up in terms of like, I don't want to go and do any more procedures of any sort. You know, that would just really psych me out. Yeah, I guess um, at that point you're so far down the road, you there's no way out but through. Yeah. Um, like you've gone through that, like you sure as fuck aren't going to stop after you've gone through all that yeah. pain. So might as well just keep forging ahead. And once you're, you know, told you have cancer, you're not usually, most sane people aren't like, I'm just not going to do treatment. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to do some homeopathic remedies <laughs> and, and hope it all works out. Yeah. Which some people do do, unfortunately. But, um, yeah. nope. At that point I was like, that's it. I mean, it can't possibly get worse than this. And I was right. It was fine after that. Yeah. So, yeah, um, after that I started chemo, like, as soon as that was done and I had kind of gotten back on my feet, I started chemo, um, like, a week later. Yeah. And it was fine, for the most part. Um, really no side effects whatsoever. Really? <laughs> I mean, I lost my hair. Yeah. Um, and I felt sluggish, um, but I wasn't, like, sick. Like, you know, um, like, some people get, like, really, um, you know, like, upset stomach and other, like, I had other smaller side effects, but on the whole, like, got away pretty easy. Yeah. So, yeah. After that, it was okay, I guess. But what was it like emotionally, mentally for you to go through that? My therapist um, was always trying to dig a little deeper into that question, Nick. Well, were you seeing <laughs> I think a therapist she felt... before that? No, I started seeing a therapist um, when shortly after I got diagnosed, okay. just because the doctor recommended that I have someone to talk to about my experience. Right. And I, I think my she always my therapist always felt like I was withholding, like because yeah. I wasn't, but I wasn't. Like I just <laughs> didn't. I wasn't that upset about it. And I know that sounds crazy, but. It was just sort of that compartment. Like, I was sad, of course. Like, yeah. but, but um, like, for example, the hair thing. Like, for lots of women in particular, that's a very difficult and emotional time because most women have, you know, long, beautiful hair. And mm -hmm. it's, like, part of their femininity is being removed. And um, I've had, always had short hair and also had 
like numerous terrible haircuts in my life. <laughs> so I know from like plenty of experience that don't worry, it grows back. Yeah. Um, uh, confession, gosh. I did not know that you had cancer. I just noticed that you were rocking headscarves and I was like, it's a bold <laughs> fashion choice there, Amy. And I remember <laughs> saying to you one day in the kitchen, something like... I don't remember. Yeah, I remember being like, I like that headscarf. You've been rocking those a lot. You're, you're looking good. And you kind of gave me this look like, thanks. I was like... Oh, and I remember going home to my wife and saying something, and she was like, you're such a fucking idiot. Nick, I don't remember that at all. Good. So, yeah. Well, I do to this day. That's that oh, God. dwelling on shit. You oh, know, and not at least, okay, I know that feeling it. of like thinking about something dumb that you had maybe done in elementary school and oh, being like, God. that was so embarrassing. I bet that person thinks about that embarrassing thing I did all the time, and then they don't even remember. Yeah, Let me allay your fears on this. I don't remember that at okay, all. Okay, good. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, you were rocking the headscarves very well. Yeah. It was, I, it was accurate. So, so did you have any of the kind of stereotypical, um, I don't know, mom, not moments of clarity, but like, well, that was huge. I'm going to change my life now. And, you know, <laughs> what does it all mean? That's a good question. Um, there is no like a uh, giant blast of like enlightening enlightenment that said, oh my gosh, life changing moment right here, market. Everything's different from this moment on. But cumulatively, yeah, I think absolutely it's changed my life. And I think mostly for the better. I think I'm much more confident than I used to be. I think kind of going through all of that gives you a sort of, gave me, I guess, a confidence about what I'm able to get through, um, that I know I can get through it. Also, that life is almost literally too short to deal with, like, bullshit. So I'm not saying, like, be a jerk, but, like, if there's something that you truly don't feel is, like, worth your time or, like, just not really a good investment of your resources, like, cut ties and move on to something that is worthy or someone who's worthy. And um, I think that those have been really helpful. I feel like even in the last maybe year, I've really kind of grown a lot, like, personally. And it's probably because I just feel, like, a little better about my trajectory, I think I feel like more confident, like that it's okay and take the leap a little bit. Like I was, I worked for Staywell for almost eight years. Mm -hmm. And I think before cancer, I was always like, oh, I should get a different job. Like I've been here a long time. But I was always a little bit scared to like make the leap and um, just didn't really want to see what else was out there. It was kind of just comfortable. It was, and also it's a good, it was a good job and with great people. So there was no catalyst to be like, I got to get out of here because it's miserable. So, yeah. but I just, because of that, you know, I kind of just um, was too scared to see what else might be out there for me. But then after, I mean, and then it was actually a super supportive job through cancer. So like crazy, crazy support to Cranes. They were great. But then when it was over and I kind of took stock of where I was and I got snapped out of my depression, I was like, okay, you know what, you can do this. Like, it's time to start looking around and seeing what might be out there. And so um, I think, like, in the last eight months, like, a lot of life changes have happened, and finding a new job was one of them. And, yeah, I, I don't know that I am – I'm sure that some people have, like, gotten that cancer diagnosis and be like, that's it, I'm going to, like, uh, do something a little bit more profound with my life now that, um, you know, I've survived this or whatever. I don't know that what I'm doing is profound, but it's a change in me that I notice, Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. Now, we had emailed about this a little bit, but it seems like what you are doing is a little bit more profound, at least personally for you, uh, in terms of work. Like, you oh. have left and you've, you've put yourself on this, this path toward something. Yeah, well, hopefully. that is There is some sort of idea that I have now about what I want to kind of do. 
they always ask that question, like a boss would ask a question in an interview, like, or a self-assessment, like, where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? And I used to think I have no fucking clue. (laughs) Like, I really just don't know. Like, I'm fine with what I'm doing. I'm not unhappy. I just don't, I don't know what I'm going to do in 10 years. Now I feel like I have a better idea of the answer to that question, which still is a lot of work to go before I reach that goal. But at least there's some sort of idea of like, oh, there's something else that maybe you're interested in doing aside from being a designer until you're 65 years old. So yeah, I I think um, hopefully I'm going to try to pursue more of the healthcare angle for for my future. Uh, That will require probably going back to grad school and at the moment not... Not a lot of free time in the <laughs> in the schedule for doing grad school, but uh, I think I'd like to do that at some point. So, so. what do you what specifically um, would you be doing? Um, so, I think the ulti- like the dream job with this. Uh, I, so, I think the degree would probably be healthcare marketing, or healthcare communication, okay. uh, which is sort of like a communication. I, I did communications in undergrad, so this would just be like more of a targeted uh, graduate degree. Mm-hmm. And I think probably working in like a hospital's marketing department is where I'd see myself working um, in 10 years. The dream job is really kind of a, a bit uh, bit of a tangent from that. So when I was going through treatment, I had um, this awesome woman named Beth who was my care coordinator. And she was just amazing. And this is, I think, a newer thing with people who have like chronic diseases or like who need long-term care, coordinated care, that someone comes in and basically takes you through the whole process, like they set up your appointments, they inform you about like what the next step is going to be, they educate you about like what to expect and what's coming up. And mm-hmm. uh, so Beth was that person to me and she was amazing. And like I will always, you know, remember her as being someone that like helped me through a really weird time. And uh, so I thought, man, I think, I think I could be good at something like that. It takes or just takes organization and being able to like know the system and helping someone work their way through it. And that's very appealing to me. So I asked her how she got into that profession, and she's like, well, one way is, you know, I was a nurse and kind of came in through nursing and transitioned into doing this, uh, but you, you need your master's and hmm. need to have some, like, hospital knowledge, and I was like, okay, well, maybe I can come at it from a different way. Yeah. So, um, so we'll see if that ever comes to fruition, but it's sort of a, it's a goal, at least. Yeah, for someone who actually had a, made an impact on you. and, and That's and true. And something that you are striving for. I think that that's really cool. Thanks, Nick. I have a feeling I'll probably be working in marketing for the rest of yeah, my life. Yeah. But I'll let you know how it, how that goes <laughs> down the line. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel good. How are you feeling? I feel great. That was good. That was good. Yeah. I agree. Thank you very much for doing this.